Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for September 22nd, 2017. This has taken Matt and I a really long time to actually start recording because we've been talking for a really long time before Yeah, I've got the time of our phone call up on Skype. We're at an hour and 54 minutes and 37 seconds right now. Nice. The good thing is we definitely know who we like for baseball now because we've talked about it for a while. But I was also, I wanted to record this earlier because I'm just doing Jewish family stuff. So I've got, I'm just hanging out with like my grandparents and parents and everybody today. And it was just ridiculously boring and I was trying to get out of it. So I was trying to get Matt to record the podcast earlier, but he was being a better son than me and he was more committed to hanging out with his family. (laughs) But I was the level of bored where the only thing I compare it to is the feeling I used to get when I went clothes shopping with my mom when I was in elementary school. That's the level of boredom I was when my mom would say like, oh, we're going to the mall and I have to go hang out with it. That was how I felt at dinner tonight. Just people telling stories that I didn't care about, talking about uh, somebody telling a story about a bad bed and breakfast they say that and then my mom <laughs> telling a story about doing accounting for a, like a kosher restaurant or something like that like it was just everything was just so beyond boring and I was trying any excuse I could to get out of it but uh Matt was more willing to hang out with everybody than I was so <laughs> it is what it is I'm happy to be done with it and now we're recording this podcast late at night so this is a little hard for pitching because the top guys on the slate are all overpriced, but we're kind of in a position where I think we almost have to play some of these guys. So there's Justin Verlander, 12,600. He's just a no. The other guys who are priced over 10,000 is Masahiro Tanaka, 10,300 in Toronto, and Zach Greinke at home, 12,100 against Miami. Something else to point out also is that uh, Jacob deGrom was expected to pitch for this slate, except he got scratched in favor of Robert Gazelman or Gazelman. I don't know how to pronounce. You've his done name. that on every name. podcast where his name has come up. I think uh, you should know that it's Gazelman at this point, but I think the listeners appreciate you trying to make sure you got it right. That's whatever. It's it's just another J A Hap situation. So yeah, J A Hap. Yeah, we don't need to go into <laughs> another another naming thing. So, of these guys, which of them do you prefer, Matt? Well, I definitely agree with you that Justin Verlander is just a no. Um, he's not quite as good as Granky. He maybe is as good as Tanaka. It's sort of the same tier of pitcher, but he's facing by far the hardest offense of any of those three guys uh, between Verlander, Granky, and Tanaka. The Angels offense with Brandon Phillips and with Justin Upton and already with Mike Trout is just a way better offense than the Marlins or the Blue Jays. Uh, so no for Verlander. He's also just the most expensive, but... Granky at home against the Marlins, I think, is my preferred choice here. Uh, he's he's pretty pricey. I think on a normal slate, I wouldn't use him in this matchup at anything more than maybe 10500 maybe $11,000. Uh, but the way the slate is set up, there's not much to look at in terms of cheap pitching. There is some, there's some cheap offenses or relatively cheap offenses that we like. So I think it won't be too hard to make Granky fit. Uh, so even if you're overpaying a little bit, I think Grinky is really reliable and safe here. Um, he's been one of the most consistent pitchers in baseball this year, especially at home. The Marlins offense, while they have Giancarlo Stanton and a few other decent hitters at the top of their lineup, they have Justin Bohr back. Uh, it's a really top-heavy offense, and the six through eight guys, and then also it being in the NL, so the pitcher spot at nine, uh, the back end of that Marlins offense is really bad. So even if Granky struggles against some of their better hitters, he should still have a decent game. 
Um, so I think Grinky has by far the highest floor of any pitcher, and that's sort of what we're going for with this pick. So I do like Tanaka a little bit for a cheaper price. Uh, and Tanaka probably has a pretty easy matchup with the Blue Jays, who have been resting a lot of guys recently. They just haven't been very good offensively this year. Um, and Tanaka's pitched better in the second half. He's just, for whatever reason, been a lot better than he was early in the season. So I think Grinky and Tanaka are both usable. I don't really like either guy for their price. Uh, I think Grink with Grinky, you're getting more safety. With Tanaka, you're maybe getting more price-related upside. Uh, but I think both guys are usable. So I'd lean Grinky, but I don't, I don't think it's a terrible play to go with either one. Yeah, the other thing with Granky too, is every start since the home opener, he struggled in opening game this year. But since then, at least 19 DraftKings fantasy points in every single home start this year. So the upside isn't huge at the 12100 price tag. But with that said, he's very good bet to get the win because he's going up against Adam Conley. And if we're saying that his floor is somewhere around 19 fantasy points, like, that's not a terrible result, especially when you're comparing him to some of the other pitchers who are on the slate. Something else to throw out, Rich Hill, 9,400. Fairly decent matchup against the Giants, but it's so hard to use Dodgers starting pitchers right now. They aren't letting them work super deep into games because the Dodgers have just been locked into that their playoff spot for a really long time. Now they're getting everybody ready for the postseason. It's just kind of guys getting reps, getting, getting geared up for their postseason run. And Rich Hill only went 74 pitches in his last outing. They've kind of been keeping him at like 70 to 85 pitches over the last month and a half. So that's just not enough upside for me against the Giants, who are also a team that just doesn't strike out a lot. So even though the price is a little high on Greinke, I also think it's a little high on Rich Hill, who's also probably going to be restricted. So I think Tanaka and Greinke make sense to pay up for. And then the one pitcher who I actually really do like on this slate is John Gray at 8,900 against the Padres. I know the Padres have hit a little bit better recently, but they're still one of the easiest matchups for us in DFS. It's a well below average offense. They strike out a ton. John Gray is also just somebody who I've said before, I'm really bullish on going forward. I think that he could be a top-of-the-line starter in baseball. And he's been really good since coming back from the broken foot. And then, let's see, so his... Here's his game log over his last few starts. 24 fantasy points, 27, 18, 12, 27, 19, 21. And some of those starts are coming at Coors Field also. Throw him in a matchup like San Diego where he gets to leave the ridiculous hitter-friendly environment at Coors Field. Just a really good spot for John Gray. He's the one pitcher I could say I would be able to roster with confidence. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. John Gray is the only pitcher that I really do like on this slate where – at his price, I think I would use him on just about any slate. The other pitchers were kind of picking by default because we don't have a lot of choices. But Gray at 8,900 in San Diego, I think, is a usable option just about any any sort of game breakdown. Uh, so even though, yeah, you mentioned the Padres have been decent offensively lately. They've done a lot of their damage against lefties. And their full season statistics might not bear it out because they have a substantially different roster right now than they've had most of the year. Uh, the big addition is Hunter Renfro, who was in the minors for a while. He's been unbelievable against lefties this year. He hit a couple home runs off Robbie Ray last night, or I guess at time of hearing this two nights ago. Um, so Renfro is a pretty good addition for them, but he's not that good against righties, and he does strike out a lot. Uh, so that's not too much of a concern. The Padres' best hitter against right-handed pitching is probably Jose Perella, who's been injured for a little while. Um, so I think that the way their offense shapes up right now, 
they're going to do well against lefties going forward, and they're going to probably do a little bit worse against righties than they have been. Uh, Will Myers is good against lefties. Manny Margot is a decent hitter. But they also strike out a lot. I mean, even in these games in the last week where they've put up a decent amount of runs against Tyler Anderson, Robbie Ray, Zach Godley, all of those pitchers have still recorded a substantial amount of strikeouts where they kind of got shelled, but they still had good fantasy games because they got the strikeouts. So John Gray's ceiling is really high because he could shut the Padres down and get a ton of strikeouts against them just because he's a really good pitcher. But even if he gives up a couple runs like San Diego's been doing, the floor is high too because of the strikeouts. Um, So for his price, I just think the distribution of Gray's points is very, very solid. He would have to have a fairly catastrophic game to sabotage your lineup at that cost. So I like Gray a lot. He's the only pitcher I feel comfortable with. And I think pairing him with Granke makes the most sense. I think you could pair him with Tanaka. There are some okay, cheaper choices, but I don't think it's necessary to use Gray with anyone that's less expensive than him. Is there anyone else you particularly like at cheaper costs? Yeah, I'll just say guys that I think are usable plays but not great is Michael Walk at 8,200 against the Pirates and then Sean Newcomb at 6,900 against the Phillies. I don't think either of them are great plays, but I, I think that they're usable with uh, with their price tag with John Gray. If you want to go really expensive with your hitters, I think that that's doable just because if you're looking at like Greinke, that there isn't a ton of upside or value in his price. Whereas I do look at Sean Newcomb at 6,900 and just think because of the strikeouts he gets, there is upside in that price tag. Just the question is, do you need to go that expensive at offense? And the answer is probably not. But there is one place that makes sense that I'll talk about in a second. And the other thing also is uh, the Padres have ruled Jose Perel out for the year. He's actually already been their best offensive player. He's a 122 WRC plus for the season. So that's a pretty big hit for him to be officially shut down for the year. He hadn't been playing for the last few days, but it definitely hurts them to not have him in the lineup at all. So the offense that has by far the most expected output on the slate is the Arizona Dimebacks at home against Adam Conley. Conley hasn't been good this year. I'm going to look up what his numbers are for the year. Here, I've got him for you. So he's at 6.5 Ks per nine, 3.5 walks per nine. His ERA is 520, FIP is 531, XFIP 538. And that's over a pretty decent sample. He's made 18 starts. And Conley also puts the ball in the air a lot. So in Arizona, where the ball carries pretty heavily, it's a really bad recipe for success. I think the Diamondbacks could have an enormous game against Conley, and they also have a really high floor just because the odds of them getting at least one or two home runs are a lot higher than any other game. Conley's bad, and the Diamondbacks also have power-hitting righties. It's just it's a really good matchup for them. The only issue is, I guess, their price. Yeah, so if you want to use the Diamondbacks, that's where you probably have to go John Gray with either a Walker or Newcomb. So that's where I think one of those guys makes sense. And I think either of them are okay, but not great plays, both usable. And then the other offense that I really like that you could definitely roster with the John Gray, Zach Greinke, or the John Gray, Masahiro Tanaka combination is going to be the Washington Nationals. So the thing with the Nationals, the reason I brought up before that DeGrom was supposed to start and then got scratched, is the Nationals are still priced to face DeGrom. So outside of Trey Turner being priced at 5000 all the other hitters are way cheaper than they usually are. So all the guys like Daniel Murphy, Anthony Rendon, these guys are all priced in the low 4000 to high 3000 range. 
And it's because they were supposed to face one of the best pitchers in baseball, and now they're facing Robert Gazelman. <laughs> and he's not good at all. The Mets also have a bad bullpen. So there's just a ton of value on the Nationals' price tags. So they're the best value for their price. If you want to go expensive, I think it's Diamondbacks. you want to go cheap, I think it's Nationals. And they make a lot of sense with Gray, one of the more expensive pitchers. So I think that those are kind of the two routes to go. There's no other offense that I find to be really interesting. Do you have anything else to add to that, Matt? No, definitely not. I think I'll have the Nationals the most of any team by far, uh, just because, yeah, the value for the price is obvious now that DeGrom's out and Gesellman's in. Uh, even if Gazelman was a decent pitcher, he's nowhere close to as good as Jacob DeGrom, and the prices are set for DeGrom. Um, I think it's going to be a little tricky with Trey Turner, who's still priced really high against DeGrom, or what was supposed to be against DeGrom, because uh, the value is very, very obvious on the other players in that lineup who are all just cheap. But Turner's still expensive, so it might make sense to go elsewhere at shortstop. Uh, if you want to use Diamondbacks for plugs, you can maybe ignore Turner and use Kettle Marte, who's been batting second with some regularity. Uh, the other issue with the Nationals is that Daniel Murphy has missed what seems like every other game for about two weeks now. Uh, so I'm definitely not off the Nationals if Murphy's out, but it does hurt them a little bit if Murphy doesn't play. He's been dealing with a neck injury, I think some other injuries too. So they've been really cautious with him. Uh, the season is kind of just, the regular season is kind of just wrapped up for Washington at this point. Uh, but Kind of just regardless of what this lineup looks like, I think that they're the best value just because everyone is so underpriced. So whoever's in there, I'm going to use. Um, and then I think it could make some sense to use the cheaper Nationals, like the back end of their order, so that you could get expensive Diamondbacks plugs. But some combination of those two teams makes a ton of sense. And I don't really think there's another offense that makes too much sense to use. Um the Rays aren't incredibly expensive against Ubaldo Jimenez, who's just really bad. But uh, there's so much value on the Nationals and then just so much expected output on the Diamondbacks that I don't think it makes much sense to go elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. I just think it's those two offenses and then just kind of John Gray mixed in with some other pitchers. So that'll wrap up the podcast for today. That'll wrap up the podcast for the week. We'll be back on Monday. You can follow me on Twitter at DFS and Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense.